Warning, what you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Howdy, 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 movie lovers. Welcome back. It's the Trash Heap Podcast. This is the show where we're giving discarded gems a second chance, and we're out to prove once and for all there are no garbage movies, only garbage opinions. It's me, Keith, and Elliot. You're there. Hello. How does it feel to do the intro? It feels awesome and professional. It feels wow. like I should be getting paid to do this. <laughs> But I'm I, it's, not. It's genu- I don't know why you just don't. You should do the intro every time because I I fumble it like ninety eight percent of the time. Yeah, I mean that is the the nature that, of leadership, though, right? That's yeah, true. Is you that part of the charge. charm? Like, watch how Elliot's gonna mess up this time. I think it is like a like a bumbling like British charm. Ah. for sure that you possess. You're like um, who's that guy? Uh, Hugh Grant. Oh. You're exactly like Hugh Grant. Wow. In those ways. <laughs> okay. What season is it, Keith? It's not quite Trashoween. No. It's almost Trashoween. And that's what we're here. We're here to lay the groundwork, do, the, do some masonry, put down some brick, put up some drywall to build the foundation. That's not what foundations are made out of, but we're putting up the foundations of Trashoween. We're laying on yeah. spooky season. As they We're say. here to get ready for the most magical holiday of the year. We're dipping our toes into the the ectoplasm. We're gonna talk about a couple movies. We're doing like I guess we're doing like a double feature sort of, but it's more just kind of like some things we've watched recently. Uh, yeah, we, we rolled the dice on a few things, and right, maybe they didn't work out so good. So we, some in order to give out. you a better value, we've got <laughs> <laughs> give you some volume. Where we're lacking quality, we're going for quantity. And this will also probably be one of our shorter episodes, too, even though we're going to talk about like five movies or four movies or whatever. Yeah, we'll call this but, a uh, big oopsie. So our, I guess our main topics of discussion today are is Mikhail Savio Sayavi's, I don't know, I'm not, honestly not sure how you say his name, his film The Church. And we're also going to talk about Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, horror host Elvira's First foray into feature films. Cultural phenomenon, Elvira. Yeah. And then we got a couple. I mean, I know you've seen some things. I've seen some things. Maybe we'll talk about that. Besides our, our main attractions here, have you seen what have you watched recently? I caught the uh, cultural, the other cultural phenomenon, No One Will Save You. I also watched that. It's kind of a alien encounter movie. Just so started out real good, and it mm-hmm. showed a lot of promise, and then kind of fumbled the second half, and uh, oh yeah, and then recovered with kind of a sweet ending. But sweet ending? Do you just mean like that? That those final scenes of the movie? Like yeah, the last after the last moment, not the climax. The right. the ending. Right, like that. To not give spoilers away, I. In a vacuum, I love that scene. It doesn't make any sense in that movie, though. Oh, no. There isn't any sort of, like, you really have to reach. And it also feels more like a like a TV show. Like, it felt like an episode of Black Mirror, almost. Right, yes. I would, yeah, I felt like Twilight Zone or something like that. You know, but, like, but without that ending, like, was not even remotely being earned, you know? No, it didn't really seemed of yeah there's a big disconnect but that's so 
I I got I, mean, I felt good. I would. This is a movie I wouldn't even necessarily not recommend. You know, oh, I definitely I recommend it. I would say because I wasn't really bored at any time, and it is like a essentially a silent movie. There's one line of like, two lines of dialogue in the whole thing. One only one real line of dialogue. I think you hear some, like some a, a little bit of background chatter yeah. at one point, but but it's fairly natural in that in that respect because it is a person who predominantly by themselves for the entire movie, or when there are other characters around, it's not in situations where they'd really be talking, so it doesn't feel weird that it's silent or forced that it's silent. Opening this, so it's a pretty it's an alien home invasion t- type of movie, right? Yeah. Beginning of this movie is top notch i think it plays a a few cards a little too soon yeah but yeah just the eerie feelings the execution of those early scenes and the whole movie as a whole looks really good most of the time yeah most of the time there's a couple there's some different alien designs and i'm not a fan of all of them i wasn't Uh, a fan of any of the alien designs to be honest aside from like maybe the parasite uh, the parasite's cool like the, the 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 main basic alien is fine like it's not like it's pretty generic. I have no like, I have no issue with it, type of type of thing. Yeah, but it's not bringing anything to the table. Yeah, the additional variations of the alien, I was not into. The little at monkey all. alien, I'm not a, f- a fan of. And whatsoever. even the big, like, crazy leg, and the the chasing and the stomping and the towering over the house and all that. So the, was... the big crazy leg alien, which was featured in the trailer, I hated it in the trailer, and I. I wouldn't say I like it in the movie, but I was like, oh, this doesn't really bother me the way it bothered me in the trailer. I just don't think making the sort of the gray alien style creature like menacing in a like Mm -hmm. that type of aggressive way really works. Yeah, it doesn't exactly because the whole thing is the fact that they're just like more or less humanoid, you know? Yeah. And just kind of like they're just kind of like quiet and creepy. When you don't know their agenda. Right. And like the fear is not in like them attacking you directly. It's being right. abducted and being subjected to experiments or whatever. Right. The, the exactly. agenda. It's the agenda that's menacing, not. Exactly. Like when you, when you turn them animalistic or monstrous like that, it generally doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like it. I don't think it necessarily was like, it didn't take me out of it a hundred percent. I wasn't like, fuck this, but it didn't add, you know? Yeah, it just, it definitely, like, I was kind of, like, uh, half in the bag uh, yeah. for, like, the the second half of the movie. But well, uh, overall, also, I think it was pretty strong. I think in the second half of the movie, too, one thing I don't, in general, really don't like in movies, and I, obviously there's probably an exception here or there, but as a general rule, um, I don't like it in movies where a character is dealing with some sort of trauma, which this character is, that's not directly connected to the plot of the movie yeah particularly when it's like kind of like a slow reveal what the trauma is like in this movie right yeah so you're building up to something to this reveal it's those things should connect to the story but you could you could extract that element of the story and the movie would be the same right yeah it wouldn't change the events like of of what's happening and I don't really like that because it seems to me often like a cheap way to get you to care about a character, right? It's like opening up at a, at a character's like gone to a funeral and like their parents are dead, but that doesn't really inform what's happening in the movie, right? Now, if they go to a funeral and that sparks them to do something like uh, I'm going to move, right? Because there's nothing for me here anymore or 
I'm depressed and I'm suicidal. And that plays a, like some sort of factor in, in the events of the movie. Great. You know, but that's not what's really happening here. It's a, it's a story about someone coming to terms with their trauma and these aliens being around, but it's not directly connected. So it just seems kind of shoehorned in it also like towards the end of the movie, it tries to become kind of vague and abstract, but the movie is just so literal up to that point that it doesn't. Yeah. That really like, you know, sort of took a a nosedive off a cliff. I do appreciate the fact that that particular aspect of the story lends itself to an interesting setup to where the girl is hated by this entire town and sort of shunned. Mm -hmm even though she continues to live there. And that, you know, contributes to uh, her difficulty in dealing with uh, the alien problem. Only in the sense that, like, when she, like... It's not even like she even goes for help that hard and people will, like, reject her straight out. She doesn't even make that strong of an attempt. It's also like if, you know, you're wondering... At that point, you're still wondering why she's this town pariah. Did she lie about something and that's and no one's going to believe her about well, and I was I was excited to see what the reveal would be and what that thing was, mm-hmm. uh, and then it when it is revealed, it's kind of something you would expect. It's not really that much of a a revelation or like a kind of exciting thing. It's like something you've seen before. It's something you've seen before. It's not unique, but I will also say that it's like for when you do find out what it is, while it's not shocking. It's glossed over pretty quickly for how severe it is. Yeah. It's like, whoa, that's why I'm not shocked that that's what you did, but I am shocked that we're just kind of like brushing over it, you know, because it's like that was kind of severe, you know, accident or not. It was just kind of like that requires a little bit more conversation. I think it would have worked better if like her guilt was more internalized out of something that wasn't really her fault. Yeah. You know, or at least not so as so directly, you know, versus just straight up like, Oh no, you were a hundred percent guilty here type of thing. Yeah. It doesn't matter that it happened when you were a kid. I mean, like it does matter that it happened when she was a kid. I wouldn't hold her responsible for the rest of her life, but it is kind of just like glossed over. But yeah, the, uh, what writer director, uh, mm-hmm. here, he's done something. He did something cool previously, right? Yeah, he wrote Love and Monsters. Ooh, um, which we he, both he like. Yeah, he didn't direct it, but he wrote he wrote that. And that was kind of one of those movies that was like like a surprise, you know, how good it was type of yeah. thing. Like you went in I went in with like fairly low expectations. It was just like, well, I guess I'll just see some gooey giant bugs or something. And I was like, wow, this is actually a really good movie. Yeah. I really enjoyed this. I mean, it's not perfect by any means, but it subverted a lot of my expectations in good ways. Yeah, you know? it's great. I really enjoyed it. And I think, yeah, he's a... Oh, he wrote uh, Underwater. Which was not... I did not think... He co-wrote that, and I did not think that was very good. Yeah. Like, it had some good visuals and, like, stuff like that. But it was one of those movies where I felt like the filmmakers, like, really thought that they were making something really smart and, like, you know, cerebral. And it's just like, nope, it really isn't. It really isn't. But no, okay. it was more like just a modern version of some of the like '80s uh, underwater creature features yeah. that we've seen. It just they yeah. got to put in like a more of a specific monster reference. But he also right. wrote the Babysitter. So this guy's, I mean, he's working and he's trying to do right. some cool stuff. So I, I appreciate that, you know. Absolutely. Like I would be curious to see what he makes next, even if I was like, per, like you know, overall 
pretty disappointed. I will also say just like usually when a movie goes this sour towards the second half, I'm usually not going to recommend it. But like I said, like this one, I'd be like, yeah, watch it. It's still like has some really well done opening scenes and is overall like a good looking movie. So it's like I was never bored. Yeah. Well, and also like a modern movie watching is different, right? If, If this was released in a different era, it might get like a small theatrical release or it might go straight to video. And right. if you saw it, you would be pleasantly surprised and uh, pretty excited about it. But instead, it got kind of like its own little spotlight on streaming. Right. So the I feel like the expectations are kind of artificially set a little bit higher than they should be. See, I don't know. I often feel like because because it's so easy to watch some of these things, my expectations are generally lower. Like if I was like, oh, there's this independent movie... I have to make an effort to go to this like small theater at this weird show time or it's not playing anywhere around me. So I'm going to have to like wait till it comes here and try and find a copy of it, blah, blah, blah. That would build up my expectations type of thing. Right. Whereas now it's just like oh, another movie on streaming. Like it might be good, but it probably won't be, you know? So I usually go into these movies with fairly low expectations. And then I'm more, that's when I get pleasantly surprised. I didn't go in with huge expectations on this one either. I thought it could really go one way or the other. And it, instead, it kind of just did right in the middle. Other than that, I've mostly been watching like a weird uh, made-for-TV kids horror movies, like uh, When Good Ghouls Go Bad and Tower of Terror. Oh, yeah? It's good. It's fun. It's kind of like extended episodes of Goosebumps or something, you know? Yeah. Where, where can that? you watch those? A YouTube. Did you know there's a new Goosebumps series coming out? With yeah, coming Justin? Friday, October 13th. Yeah, with Justin, starring Justin Long. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's kind of fun. That is kind of fun. I mean, he was in one of the best horror movies of last year, so if not the best horror movie of last year, so... Yeah, that's right. And then one of the me? best horror movies of the 2000s. What? Uh, Jeepers Creepers. It's a really good movie, unfortunately. Because it's directed by a pedophile. Yeah, <laughs> and not even like a, like a secret one. Like you know, he's like a, it's on public record. Yeah, <laughs> in all the worst ways. It's just kind of a bummer. I also yeah. like when that movie originally came out. I kind of poo pooed it, and I thought it looked stupid, and I didn't like the title. Like yeah. I really rolled my eyes hard at it. But and then eventually I watched it and Jeepers Creepers too, and I was like, oh shit, these are pretty good. Well, I kind of, yeah, I kind of did the same thing. I think I've caught bits of one on TV. Like, there's one, is there one where, like, uh, at the end, some guy's got, a, like, a crossbow, and he's, like, waiting in a barn or something? Yeah, I love that scene so much. That's what yeah. sold me on that movie. Mm. I was like, what is this? I didn't even, I had no idea. I saw it on, like, TV, like, on cable one day, and I was like, this is Jeepers Creepers? Holy fuck. How do we get to this scene? The whole pedophile thing, though, I mean... I mean, there are movies that have already come out. I'm not like, I can, I can, but yeah, it's like, did you ever hear about like how, so he got, he, he directed that movie Powder, right? Yeah. And he, I think that was like the first movie he directed after getting out of jail and none of the cast knew, like at that point knew about, cause this was like pre-internet, right? Yeah. Knew about it and halfway through filming, it came out that he was a convicted like pedophile and the entire cast freaked out or like i brought my children to this fucking set yeah you know and then it's like yeah and then the guy still keeps 
kept getting work for a while after that. It's pretty weird. Which is wild, too, because, like, studios are still these corporations, and they still... I mean, you would think they would still have to go through the HR stuff of, like, background check and all that. Right. Before hiring someone. Right. But maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. It's also not like he is, like... He was like some director with like a lot of power, or yeah, uh, you know, he wasn't like a a known commodity when he when he got in trouble, and he could use his power and influence to, you know, buy his way back into Hollywood. It was just like it just seems like someone he was just should have disappeared. But yeah, it's wild stuff. Let's just quit watching movies forever. Okay, I'm 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 down with that. I'm, kind of, <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting sick of it. I'm going back to radio teleplays. Oh yeah. Have you ever listened to any of those? Yeah. It's kind of fun. You know, it's a, like a weird like kind of novelty of, this is what people used to do. No, yeah, sitting around the radio and stuff. Yeah, like yeah. I remember like uh, watching, um, I don't know, documentaries about either like horror movies or like EC comics. And they yeah. invariably always include a segment about like the old like horror shows. Right. Like um, Inner Sanctum or oh, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've heard of so that. So yeah, I I definitely like was like, oh, let me check out a little bit of this. Or like they'll talk stuff. about the old War of the Worlds broadcast. Or, oh yeah, you know, for sure, yeah, that type of thing. Yep. There's a a podcast. There's a probably a, more than a few podcasts that do sort of. Uh, yeah, like the, more like dramatic stories or yeah, ra- like podcast dramas, which is essentially just like a yeah radio drama. Yeah, it's like yeah voice actors performing the stories. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I don't know. Yeah, it's like I said, it, it's interesting to go back and listen to some of them as like, you know, just kind of like historical documents, even if like, you're not necessarily like, wow, like this is so exciting yeah, or something, but it's just interesting. Like I watched, what I, I always watched some old Boris Karloff movie that was not a horror movie, but about him being like sent to devil's Island as a prisoner. That was only an hour. It wasn't great, but it was just kind of like, it's interesting to go and see like, well, what is, what, what we're talking about this alien movie that we could just kind of watch that we were like, yeah, it was fine. It was okay. Like, what would that have been for somebody in the 1930s? That would have been this movie, you know? Yeah, there used to not be a ton of alien movies. Right. Picture a world in which all of the movies were about prisoners escaping from an island. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we are, our main event, The Church. Keith, have you ever seen this movie before? I haven't seen The Church. Like many of you, I have seen the image of the big head made out of people. Mm-hmm. Coming yeah, out there's of a couple ground. really It seems like this is a movie that does have a couple famous shots in it, but is not necessarily a movie that a ton of people have seen. I have seen this before. I saw it a while ago. Uh it is no means by means like uh perfect, but that's a movie I do enjoy. That is interesting. Really? That you say that. Did I enjoy it? Well, I did some reading about this movie beforehand, and I was very hyped up by the trailer as well, which is very cool and stylish. And it's such a good, was so evocative to me that it felt like the type of movie you could just put on and you were going to see a ton of crazy images and have your imagination dazzled. And that's true, but it's only for about a total of 90 seconds. <laughs> I would say it's more than that. All of these exciting images and incredible like effects moments yeah. are they're not even like full sequences. 
they're barely full shots. It's like they went to all the effort of creating these incredible set pieces and puppets and suits and they're like, all right, we can only shoot this for about eight seconds and then we're going to trim off of that. See, I would disagree with that. I would say that like... You Where know, the hell's the rest of the movie? It's There are... Okay, there are definitely... We should explain the general premise here in a second, but it, I will say, yeah, there are definitely times where it feels like there are scenes missing from this movie and it is not... It is not it's not like, oh, you can only get the edited American cut. Like this is the... Com- we both watched the complete cut that's what was released to the world. But it does seem like there's like chunks missing at times. And in the middle, it definitely is goes through a section of just kind of like, huh? Why? What what am I watching? But the but there's the beginning and the and like the final and the final like the last third are both great, I think. Particularly the beginning. So what the plot of this movie is, is that hundreds of years ago, some Teutonic knights go to a village kill everybody in the village because they're suspected of witchcraft but they probably weren't they bury them in a giant grave they build a church on top of the grave to seal the evil yeah but the real evil is what they did the real evil is the people's bad intentions and then in the modern day of 1991 or whatever 1990 uh the evil gets released and people in the church Go crazy. Yeah, they're trapped in the church. How are they going to um, get out? Through the sewer. That That is one option. Or through the window. They could go through the window. Latte knows how to get out of the church, but yeah. won't tell anybody. Dang you, Latte. <laughs> <laughs> well, she go, she's out of the church. She yeah, actually she goes is. back. She's not in the, in the church. She goes back to the church through her secret sewer entrance, and she goes, like, what's going on? Yeah, this her is party fucked. tunnel. <laughs> and then she just leaves again. Yeah. So this movie is directed by uh, Mikhail Soavi, I think that's how you say his name, protege of Dario Argento, who most his most famously directed movie is Cemetery Man, which is great. Uh, do you like that one, Keith? No. Really? Della Morte, Della More, or whatever. Yeah, yeah I yeah, remember I... like movie nerds who wore like uh, Dickies jackets back in high school. Were like, yeah, this is the coolest movie of all time. And then I watched it, and I was like, this movie sucks. It's not the coolest movie of all time, but it, I really, I really I enjoy it. I don't know it. what I'm supposed to like about it, other than like, uh, you know, the girl with the wings, like having sex with a dude on top of a grave, like, yeah. What else is fu- there? There's some funny gags. The big, uh, the big death puppet, I guess, is cool. Yeah. It's got its moments. I don't um, Then he also directed a movie called, uh, depending on where it was released, it was called The Devil's Daughter or The Sect or La Seta. And that movie, I, I would not, I've seen it once, I would not really recommend it. It has some incredible images in it, but it's pretty boring overall. There's a, I mean, there's just some, there's a couple of wild things. Like there's basically a, like a lady has a well in her basement. That's a gateway to hell or something. Yeah. And, there, and there's a weird call. Have you seen this one? Uh, no, I've seen some of the clips though. Like a pelican comes out of the well and she has sex with the pelican and then she gives lays an egg and a devil baby comes out. So there's, there's some cool shit like that in there, but it's a pretty boring movie. I'll tell you, I always love when there's like a hole or an opening or oh, yeah. like something like that. Like Amityville 3D, cool. Uh, this movie, cool. 
Yeah, there's a fucking gigantic hole that leads for to the depths of the underworld in the in the church. It's shaped like a cross, and there's blue light coming out of it. Yeah, and it's it's locked by the fucking coolest like carved symbol. Like mm-hmm. it's got a cap over this hole in the cross, and it's like a goat demon with like sixteen eyes. It's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'll say too, like the beginning of this movie. To me, it's like an all-time banger. Well, that's because uh, you love guys with swords. Yeah, I do. And then when they take off their cross helmets, they've still got a cross on their face. And then the mm-hmm. little girl's like, please don't kill me. And then they're like, okay. And then they crush the little girl's skull with one hand. Yes. You love that. Specifically that. <laughs> that that right there. With the exception of some bad uh, sound mixing and bad dubbing, which... Unfortunately, this goes with the territory with any like Italian horror movie made between 1960 and 1995. And bad dubbing of Eng- actors speaking English having their own voices dubbed back poorly type of thing. Yeah, the English voice acting is uh, cartoonish at best. Yeah. And while I don't... Ex- I've seen the, a lot of these movies, especially recently. I've watched a lot of these uh, Italian kind of splattery movies. Mm-hmm. With some bad dubbing and whatever, but this really takes the cake. And yeah, th- but there's also a few instances where the sound mixing and y- dubbing is good. So I don't know what's going on. But yeah, like, they, yeah I don't think they did either. There, there's some, there is some that is really atrocious. Other than that, like that opening, I love that opening scene, and it almost makes me wish that was the entire movie was that. But yeah. I will say, like in general, I like that type of thing in movies where it's like, here's something that happened a hundred years ago that affects something that 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 plays out in the modern day. Yeah. But almost always I end up being more interested in like, well, what, 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 what happened a hundred years ago? Like what else happened? You know, like in the beginning of Jumanji, you know, that happens where they, the kids in like the 1700s throw the game into the river and they're like, Oh, I can't believe we got out of that one. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what happened to when they played the game? I want to see that more than I want to see what happened to Robin Williams. You know? Yeah. But yeah, that scene to me is magnificent. The ending, all the weird stuff at the ending is great. Uh, and even though like not much happens in the middle of the movie, in that in that section, it's so there's parts that are so goofy and laughable that it's enjoyable to me in in that respect. You know, there is one in absolutely all time insane sequence that I watched, went back and watched like three or four times because it was so incredible. Which part was that? It's the scene where the janitor comes back from. I don't, the continuity on his uh, sort of death and resurrection is very confusing, but yes, he comes back kind of in the middle of when everyone's stuck in the church. He rips a wrought iron gate off of right. this like display or whatever, yeah, and then goes running through the center of the church. And there's this, oh, with the lady in the glasses, and- yeah, the glasses fall like the lost glasses are there. The lady in the wedding dress. I forget, but it's like a whole like uh, incredible like choreographed like amazing sequence of like like it's a first person shot from the the perspective of this gate that's about to kill everyone, and it's people like running out of the way, and it's the glasses falling perfectly, and then it's the lady, it's the lady in the wedding dress getting out of the way, and then the lady with the lost glasses putting the glasses on just in time to see the gate closing in on her and stabbing her through the throat. Right. 
It was a real stroke of brilliance. It's really like a like kind of like almost Rube Rube uh, Goldbergian in its execution, where like this thing happens and that, to, so then that happens and this one and that one and that one and that leads to this and then the trap is set type of thing. And then that was another stroke of brilliance was not the Rube Goldbergian themed shot, but the actual Rube Goldberg device, which is the trap. Oh yeah, right. So when this guy gets killed, it uh, sets off a. Uh, a trap to uh, lock everyone in the church and then self-destruct. It's a thousands of year old self-destruct mechanism in a church. That's fucking awesome. And not only is it awesome, it's cool looking too. The guy's blood drips through the floor and into this thing and it sets off all the things. And then you've got this like big rotating lock with its backlit by red light and it's the corpse of the... The guy, oh, the with architect the, of the church, yeah. yeah, with the thing jammed in his mouth, like, yeah, wow, very cool, yeah. And uh, the one thing I, the only thing I don't like about that is when the church locks up, it's just the front door, and they're like, that's the only door. Yeah, everyone's the like, church. there's only one door out of the but church. But there's like so many windows, and it's not like bars come down on the windows or anything. There's like a million ways out of this church, and they're just like, well, yeah. the door's locked, can't get out. It's actually kind of minor because they don't really go and focus on the windows or anything. But if you just remember, like, the movie earlier, they're like, wait a minute. Weren't there a bunch of windows that they could go through? Yeah. So I really want to talk about this character of the librarian in this movie. Oh, you mean not Julian Sands? I was, in my head, I said, who's who's a second-rate Mark Singer wannabe? Oh, but yeah, no, he looks one, almost exactly like Julian Sands. He looks like a mix between Julian Sands and Mark Singer. Yeah, which I thought so, he was pretty strong overall, especially when he starts to act uh, possessed and nutty, like when he rips yeah. out his own heart in a phone booth. <laughs> Once he gets possessed, I agree. Uh, prior to that, not so much. But he's kind of like the instigator of everything that's bad, the person who releases the evil. But let's talk about this guy, right? On his first day of on the job at, at the church, he gets this new job as a the church librarian. Because it's this old, like super old, giant church, you know, with like all these historic Fresnos and uh, like old timey books, and he's his job to catalog them for historical purposes and blah blah blah. And then there's a lady there who is restoring all the Fresnos, making sure they don't completely deteriorate and. It's, they're doing some renovations and restorations in the basement, and that's where they find the goo and the, the demons and whatnot. But on his first day to work, he's late to work. He seduces the the restorationist. He vandal he steals a, an ancient parchment document from the church. He vandalizes the church and he releases demons all on his first day of work. Yeah. What what was going like I have the question that jumps to my mind is like, what was going on in his last job? Like, did he get fired? And and if so, what did he get fired for? You know, like this guy's fucking wild. He's also really sort of uh, enamored by, like, he's so interested in opening the tomb because he yeah. thinks like maybe the person that opens it will either become rich or become like a superhero. Yeah, which is was funny because he does. He seems like very not religious. Yeah, it almost makes me think that maybe he's not actually a librarian and this is just like a grift. <laughs> that, I mean, that would explain some things. Yeah. Also, he has like, he's holding this like super old parchment with the, that's uh, like some sort of treasure map to the tomb type of thing. And he's just smoking a cigarette over it. 
You know, where it's just like, hmm, like maybe that's something that you shouldn't do in this yeah. situation. His actions are quite perplexing, but yeah, to me, so that, to me, that's part of the stuff that's like the stuff in the middle that um, is just like kind of out of tone with the rest of the movie, but also then becomes kind of fun because it's so weird and goofy. But I don't know. Yeah, I just think this is an enjoyable movie overall. And it has good music. You know, as a lot of Dario Argento productions do. It's one of the guys from the band Goblin does the music. They also use some Philip Glass music in the in the soundtrack. And it looks pretty good for the most part. Like I said, that opening, that opening scene is like one of the best. Uh, I mean, like I said, there's some obviously budgetary constraints in it. It was a very low budget movie. I want I want to see that scene from the the opening done on a bigger budget. I want to see this movie get remade, but don't yeah. don't bring any new ideas to it. Just right. finish it and like right. spend some more money. Right. But to just do everything, you know, build the the goat devil suit again exactly how it was. Yeah. Build, build the giant mud people head coming out of the floor exactly as it was. Don't change anything. Just do it. Do it right this time. I think you're right. I think this is a movie that's like prime for something like that. And you yeah. get, you know, like, uh, it would seem like something that like A24 would be all over. Like, we're going to do the art house version of this type of thing. Yeah. Or, you know, like directed by Robert Eggers or whatnot. But, yeah. uh, you know, um, or whatever. But you know what movie does not need a remake, though? What? Elvira. Mistress of Evil, or Mistress of the Dark, or whatever the name Mistress of that movie is. Mistress of the Spooky Movies. Uh, so this that was, you watched that one for the first time to, as well? Yeah. Elvira has sort of, as long as I've been alive, has always been a cultural phenomenon. And I don't remember a time where I didn't know who she was. And everybody else seemed to know who she was as well. Right. I had never watched any of, I had seen her in commercials and things like that. I had never watched any of her sort of shows and segments that she had hosted uh, on local television. And I had never seen any of the movies. And I am just gobsmacked at what this is. Because I expected it to be like... You know, the trailer is fairly indicative of what it's going to be, like lots of uh, sort of body humor and boob gags. and Right. This movie is 98% boob gags. It's all like old-timey vaudeville. Like, every time someone says something to her, she's got like a zinger comeback. Right. And, I mean, but that's pretty much it. Like, there's some fun... I guess sight gags and stuff and whatever too, but like I don't know. I guess I was really confused about what Elvira was supposed to be. Uh huh. Because she's the mistress of the dark. She's the queen of the macabre. She's all very spooky. What well, turns out in this reality, she's just a horror host who never takes off her outfit. Right, she doesn't she's the live same a person. spooky life. She's not like connected to the supernatural in any well, way. She's she just is, like a, she just wants to do a show in Vegas. She is connected to the supernatural in the sense that like her like, great aunt was a witch or something and... So that's kind of funny. Yeah. 
it's like almost if like um the Adams family was like being like ironic, you know? Right. And they're like, we're not spooky, we just like the aesthetic. In a way, and I'm not comparing this in quality, and there are some actually very obvious connections, like behind the scene connections. In a way, it's kind of like Elvira is kind of a character like Pee Wee Herman in the sense that she's this outlandish per character that the rest of the normal world just kind of accepts, you know? Yeah. And they might be like, they might be like, oh, that person's a troublemaker, but they're never like, this person shouldn't even exist, right? Like this, like what, like, like they're never like surprised. No one's surprised by the existence of Pee Wee Herman, right? No one's surprised by the existence of Elvira. And her, like, her oddness is just kind of taken for granted. I'm saying that, like, I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm not kind of trying to compare in quality, but there is some similarities like that. And Cassandra Peterson, who is Elvira, was real life friends with Paul Rubens. She's in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, they were in the Groundlings together. Yeah. Uh, this movie, uh, Elvira, was co written by uh, a co- uh, someone who wrote a lot of Pee Wee's Playhouse and played John B. the Genie on on Pee-wee's playhouse. So there is like connective DNA in, in the history of how these two characters came about, you know? Uh, but yeah, in terms of quality, like obviously Pee-wee's big adventure is astoundingly better than this movie. Um, well, and here's the thing, like I watched a lot of the, the sort of horror host clips of like Elvira introducing movies and stuff like that. And that really works, those little snippets. And, like, the whole, like, presentation of her in, like, a crypt and... You mean from, like, when she was... Not in this, but, like, when she was actually doing that for real movies. No, in television. Right, Right, And so in the movie, she is that, but she also hates hosting, like, bad movies. And she wants to be, like, a stage performer instead and, like... I feel like there is like some kind of like clever riff here, but like for some reason I just didn't like connect with it. And like in other movies, like I feel like this exists and I would like, I would like zero in on it and appreciate it. And for some reason, like I'm just like, wait a second, (laughs) what's going on here? I get to feel this, feel the same way. And it's, I, it's, I mean, I'm like you growing up, there was like, Elvira was just kind of this omnipresent figure. Like I just knew who she was like, and you see, yeah, you saw her, she was in TV commercials and like ads for nacho cheese sauce or something in the, in like in a magazine or, you know, she'd pop up and kind of, she was just like a known personality. And I remember when the movie came out, you know, in the late eighties, but I never watched it till way later. Yeah. And I wouldn't, wouldn't say I was ever really an Elvira fan uh, I knew who she was. She, you know, there's like these loose connections to things I like, you know, that she's involved in. But I was, yeah, never like an Elvira fan. And when I did watch the movie for the first time, I found it enjoyable, just as like this kind of novelty. Rewatching it for this, I was just like, oh man, this is like not great. So I think it could be a movie that's good to see once, particularly if you if you're into this type of stuff. But it doesn't really, like, have any, like, staying power for me or, like, hold up or anything. Yeah, I think, like, from the energy and, like, the just the sheer volume of humor and in gags and stuff, I think there is fun to be had. I was just sort of, like, scratching my head at it. 
Right. And I was like, wait a second, because like you you mentioned the Pee Wee comparison, like Pee Wee is sort of the architect of his own reality, right? And he he does interact with other people, but like he has his own agenda. That's kind of uh, like I guess a little bit foreign to what everyone mm-hmm. else is doing, but here like Elvira is just like, it's almost like she's just playing dress up. And then right. she like rolls her eyes when people get mad at her for showing her boobs and whatever. Right. Uh, and uh, I don't know. That's it. I I would love for someone who is like a super fan to like explain this to me because like I feel really dumb for some reason. <laughs> I don't. I think. <laughs> or maybe it is just really one dimensional, like. And not I don't know. Good, I mean, I know. obviously, like people are there's people who are big Elvira fans, um, and yeah, like I, I never, I, I mean, I, in my lifetime, I have seen you know bits of like the her hosting shows, and I think maybe like in the late nineties, she was like doing something on Fox where she was hosting one, and I caught one or something, and yeah, there's some like goofy charm to it. When I have met people who are big Elvira fans. It is always like very obviously this is just anecdotal and does not speak to all big Elvira fans, but the ones I've met, it's it's very predictable and very stereotypical of who you might think is an Elvira fan, you know? People who are very like their their presentation is kinda of like that fifties punk rockabilly vibe, you know, and like into generically spooky things or like horror is their entire personality. Um, it's been like that spectrum of subcultures. Yeah. So, so they've just sort of chosen this mascot. Right. And I don't know, like I said, like that's just kind of my personal anecdotal thing. So I'm not trying to like come in and be like a snob and be like, Oh, only fucking dipshits like that. Or people who like these things are, are dipshits. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, it's just like, it just kind of seems to be like one of those, things where it's like oh you like rockabilly so you like you have to have this haircut or you have to wear this jacket or like that it's part like it's so much part of the identity that it's just like rolled into the package yeah well if you think about it too like did any of the other horror hosts get their own movies like a full-length movie where they're the main character no Absolutely not. The only no. one that I can think of would be uh, Peter Vincent from Fright Night, but he's also like a sort of a, a fictional character, right? Right. He's he's a character in a movie who's a horror host. He's not a horror host who then got his own movie. Yeah, you know? he's sort of a send-up, and he does get, get a lot of interesting things to do because he's like, I pretend to be this guy, and I'm not really this guy, but now I have right. to become this guy because this crazy situation was thrust in. Right. In Elvira's case, she's just Elvira, but not really. And then she's got to get enough money so that she can still be Elvira, but stop hosting movies. Right. Well, what if she, <laughs> she yeah, hates what if, movies so much? What if uh, in the in this you know movie, it's kind of a similar thing to the Peter Vincent thing where. Elvira in the movie is Cassandra Peterson, who's kind of sick of playing the Elvira character. But then over the course of the movie, she finds out that her great aunt was a witch and that she actually is Elvira. And that's why she was naturally drawn to it, you know, 
Yeah. Uh, there could be something, you know, I don't know, but I mean, I do think there is also fun of just like the weird character who shows up in town and people like just don't like her. They're not shocked that she exists, you know, but she's uh, also but, yeah. not that weird. You know what I mean? Like she literally yeah. just like, she goes to a bowling alley to have a drink. She goes right. to uh, a motel to get a room. I don't know. She doesn't really just do anything. Yeah. The bowling alley, actually, I wrote down is the she, best part of the... The bowling alley set is the best part of the movie. That's funny. That is... A, I love the way that bowling alley lo- looks. You know, I like... Those old-timey-looking bowling alleys don't really exist too much anymore. Yeah. But they definitely did. And it, there was a cross-section in our lifetime when, like, those were still around and then slowly started to fade away. Uh, and I don't know. Yeah, that's to me, that's the best part. I really liked the scene at the like uh, the picnic or whatever, where she she puts some magic in the chili or whatever, oh, and it right. gets the townspeople all horned up, and they have like a yeah. big orgy. That yeah. was pretty funny because it was like real zany and like made some people who you know are super uptight act really out of character, and then they're all embarrassed right. and like you know upset about it afterwards. That was I thought that was that got a genuine couple of laughs from me. But everything else was just like, I don't know, right out of like a joke book or something. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like maybe like this is a good, like I said earlier, like this is a good movie to see once if you're into like spooky movies and like campy horror movies and stuff, because there is some fun bits to be had and like, the, like on paper the premise sounds kind of fun, and uh, you know, well, I know oh, there are people who love this movie, right? And so I think I'm definitely the wrong guy, but like, I would love to hear from someone who right. really loves this movie and like hear well, their take on it. Honestly, like, I kind of like did it going like because after watching it again and being like, I don't know, this wasn't that good the second time around, which I never thought it was great the first time. I was just kind of like, ah, it's fun, you know. I did like go and watch some videos from you, some like you know prominent like movie reviewer YouTubers who love it, and I was like, and it was all just kind of like what you'd expect. It's like Elvira's hot, and oh look at this, the townsfolk are uptight, and then like oh even the dog has like a has a a, a goth look to it, and it's just like blah 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 blah, and like maybe there's this like a nostalgia factor. If you discovered this movie when you were 12 years old, when yeah. you're getting into getting into punk music and horror movies or something, you know, but I if think you wa- that is, I think the discovery yeah. at a, at that age is probably kind yeah. of a critical, a critical thing. And I know we kind of talked about that. We talked about Wee being sort of timeless, but maybe we're sort of like you victims of our own nostalgia. I don't know. Maybe because, we can't, it can't be trusted. I mean, like, I don't know because, like, I don't think this movie is, like, looked on as, like, a classic, you know? Like, there's, like, a very, you know, specific set of people who are like, this is the best movie ever. Uh, but, like, Pee-wee's Big Adventure is looked at as, like, a straight-on classic, you know? Like, yeah. the character of Pee-wee Herman is beloved across generations, you know? And cultures, and cultures, and uh, whereas Elvira is th- still possesses a cult following. Uh, yeah, I ne- think that Elvira, as portrayed by Cassandra Peterson, is beloved, yeah. but maybe not the movie. Right. It's and not even, considered. It's just sort of part of the deal. 
And, right. And then even like still like she was like when we say like she was kind of like this omnipresent character when we were kids and you know you just kind of knew where she was. It was kind of relegated to like, like commercials and yeah, like obviously she came segments. from right. She came from the horror host thing, but she never really graduated be, between beyond being like uh, now on the Hollywood Squares, Elvira. You know, yeah. like that's was kind of her her lot in 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 everything. Uh, she was definitely more of a a gimmicky thing, and it's kind of hard to pinpoint like why certain characters, you know, like when when a comedian or actor does like embodies a character when those things stick and one of those things are kind of like flashes in the pan because mostly they're more like flashes in the pan and Elvira is maybe something just above a flash in the pan but not like an enduring character who's going to have a legacy that goes on long past them type of thing. Yep. <laughs> You're right, buddy. That would be my, Arguably I, the most interesting part of this whole experience mm-hmm. was doing a dive into the real life horror hosts. Yeah, you know, beyond because Elvira is kind of the right up there at the top, I'd say, along with like the Crypt Keeper. But then right. there's like all these like. But the local... Crypt Keeper isn't like he's he is like a puppet, and yes, devised... and he didn't get no one. Even when they did Tales from the Crypt movies, they didn't put right. him as the main character. No, they but kept him a... in the role that he was, you know, intended for. Right, and he and he's but he is still more kind of like integrated into the story itself, like. The story is written around him as this like he's like a he's like he's like a he's like a goofy horror like Twilight Zone Rod Serling you know like whereas Elvira and some of the other like cable horror hosts they were reviewing pre existing movies and adding commentary right you know so it's 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 a slightly different thing than like sure. a narrator or like you know genuine host towards like integrated into the production. Yeah. Yeah, I would be I am kind of it is kind of like yeah, now you're talking about that that is kind of more interesting because really I mean like yeah, you know that a lot of these people have existed but you don't really know who they are because a lot of them were kind of on local hosts on local TV, you know, it would be like oh yeah, people in in Cincinnati know who this character is but not outside of Cincinnati type of thing. Yeah, so there's uh, like I don't you've I don't know if you've heard of uh, Svengooli Yes. The guy in the hat with the weird makeup. Yeah. He seems pretty lame. No offense to the Svengooli fans. I appreciate right. what he does, but uh, right. he's pretty lame. And then there's uh, Larry Vincent, who obviously Peter Vincent is based off of, but he's like a oh. cowboy looking dude. He was like an LA guy, apparently. Huh. And uh, he was also very lame. Yeah, he looked like John Carpenter in a cowboy outfit, and was just like, "Well, here comes the horror movies, kind Damn. of nonsense." And then, uh, I guess a lot of people know Joe Bob Briggs, right? Obviously from uh, Monster Vision and all that. Uh, and then, the most interesting part was uh, Vampira, right? Right, who might who... be the original? Uh, well, she's... aside from Rod Serling. Might be the original type of uh, horror host. Well, hers is also too. She was also reviewing, like introducing pre-existing sh- uh, shows on local cable or like yeah. the local regional television. And she actually sued Elvira. She did sue Elvira, and was I like, mean, like you stole my look and you stole my catchphrase, 
And the and, court decided that uh, that was not the case. <laughs> I mean, I kind of like see it on both ends, you know, like, yeah, like it's de- like definitely inspired by Vampira. There's no, there's no question of that, but like. No, oh, but was... if you took the Vampira kind of like base and added some like sort of showgirl drag right. uh, energy to it, right? It's more like even though Vampira was comedic, you know, in her hosting, Elvira's like like almost a spoof of that right so it's kind of like it's like yeah like the whole like you stole my bit thing is like i can see how someone would feel that but i don't know if it's true you know i don't think so uh i mean yeah so but yeah the ones who are like i mean i would be you know even joe bob briggs is like pretty famous but he's still like kind of like he's yeah he's a he's a character in the sense like oh that joe bob biggs he's a real character but he's not playing like a like a Peter Vincent style, like I'm a vampire hunter and I'm introducing this show. You know, he's not a character in in that respect. Well apparently at a at a for a time it was the the sort of redneck aspects were like pretty exaggerated. Like it was kind of a character. Hmm. If that makes sense. Like if you yeah. do some like reading into it, I was always kind of like blown away by that. I was like, oh, He's only he's only sort of like this. That's that's a weird one where like the yeah. re- reality and uh, fiction kind of uh, get really muddy. Did you do you remember his, uh, his little bit in Casino? Uh yeah. This is like it's I I had not seen that movie. Saw it once when it came out, and then I then was a long st- stretch where I didn't see it. Like you know, uh, and I watched it again. And I was just like, what the fuck. Like yeah, it's a weird sort of. Yeah, it feels kind of random. Yeah, but he's good in the movie. It was just like, you know, not having seen the movie in a while and not, no, remembering that he was in it or realizing that he that was him. Yeah, you know, the first time I watched it and this watching it, like, is that Joe Bob Briggs? That's so weird. But hey, whatever. Um. Well, yeah, I think that's kind of all I got to say about Elvira. How about you? Yeah. This is a tough one. I don't know. Yeah. I still recommend you watch it. Yeah. I think it's like it's like you were talking about earlier. It's fun to just sort of consume these cultural phenomenons that like maybe right. had like were sort of ahead of you in, in their existence and just kind of like try to connect the dots. Like I'm going to watch some more of the some of the the TV segments and things like that. And then Elvira came back for like a new special and like. 2001 or something like that i might check that out too mm-hmm. just to see some more elvira stuff and uh i don't know at the end of the day i can sort of realize when like this isn't necessarily for me but uh i'm still definitely curious like if there's someone out there who thinks this is you know the funniest you know most charming movie of all time uh let's let's hear it i want to yeah Give me your energy, and maybe I'll look at it with uh, different eyes. I won't. So I probably won't watch it again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Still a good way to kick off uh, the spooky season, though. Oh, right. Like we said, we're just dipping our toes in that ectoplasm. You know, we're not going full bore yet, so. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was, I think, I, I mean, like I said, like, of the three movies we talked about, I mean, I guess the show is really about the church and Elvira, but we also talked about... No one would save you. I would tell everybody to give them a shot, you know, uh, even if they're not, even though they're not perfect. 
I enjoyed them all in some way or another, you know. I'll tell you what uh, movie I enjoyed even less than Elvira was uh, the Child's Play remake. The one with like the voice of Mark Hamill? Yeah. I loved that one. That's crazy to me. That movie was really frustrating. Really? I really liked it. I liked how the whole like bit about like how it's just like, whoops, somebody turned this doll to evil. That one was I mean, the ending where it's kind of like all like, oh, he's he because it's an AI gone rogue type of thing, like AI toy gone bad, and he's like using Bluetooth to connect all the toys, and that was a little much, you know. No, and that really uh, like that was very silly. Like it made him like like very godlike, overpowered, and I was like, this is. And it's a f- it's a fun way to involve the all these other toys, but then you got a drone like chopping somebody's head off or something like the right. blades don't do that on a drone right. like that's. I, mean, I, I don't I, know. I, the main kid was awful. He was a nightmare. Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza was not uh, a plausible mother in the least. She felt like more like an older sister. The subplot with the cheating husband was like kind of funny, but like. Some of the kills were good, but just overall, like it... I, I that was is one I went in with like very low expectations of. I'm also not like a huge fan of the the, the original Child's Play series. Uh, um, I find them to be like more or less enjoyable movies, but I, I've not I'm not like a this is my thing. No, I've never been a diehard uh, for them, but except for Child's Play three, you fucking love that Child's movie. Play three is entertaining as hell. Yeah, it's and it starts with the trailer. Yeah, where it's the 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 drum roll, the military mm-hmm. like drum roll, and it's like welcome to hell. Yeah, <laughs> and it's Andy gets sent to a military school. That's yeah. a funny setup. And then Chucky makes his way to the military school to terrorize Andy, and then he decides he's gonna become uh, switch bodies with the little black kid instead. Yeah. And it's a hilarious kind of like sitcom thing. And then there's the final showdown in the abandoned amusement park. Like mm-hmm. it's just pure like mayhem and schlock and Oh yeah. goofiness, you know? Yeah. No, it's 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 def- it's definitely a fun like schlocky movie. But like like oh, what's his name? The guy from Hellraiser is like, "Soldier, that haircut ain't regulation." And he's talking <laughs> to a doll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, it's definitely the of the. I think it's of the three, the one that realizes what it is the most. You know. Yeah, they're like, well, uh, we got to do another one of these so we don't lose the copyright. So like, let's right. uh, let's do some wacky. Well, I mean, also, I think like the first one, I think, is kind of a little uneven in tone of in terms of like wisecracking doll versus serious horror movie. You know. Uh, well, and at least to the to the credit of the first movie, they're still trying to do the. Is this kid crazy or not? Is he the one right. doing this or is it the doll? And then there's right. a reveal to like right. let you know. Right. They, there was an attempt at doing like a, a genuine like thriller. Oh, absolutely. I'm saying like the individual components of that movie work really well, but they don't necessarily like, all gel together. Like no. the scene opens up with a criminal doing a voodoo hex on a doll to transport his soul into this toy doll. Yeah. But then it's turned into a serious police procedural right after that. But after you don't incredibly... know if it worked. You don't know if it worked, but you do know that that scene was incredibly goofy, right? Yeah. yeah. And then it becomes very serious. And then 
Chucky comes back and the re- you get the reveal that he is, in fact, a killer doll, which that reveal is very well done. But then the movie also becomes kind of goofy again, you know, because yeah. he's all like cracking wise and, you know, like it's two separate movies, right? Sure. Um, Child's Play 3 knows exactly what it is start to finish. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I guess that's also why I like the new the 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 new one with Aubrey Plaza is like you know it's like from this from the opening scene to the end it's the same movie you know not everything's perfect about it I'm not like rushing out to watch it every Halloween but I I thoroughly enjoyed it I also think that Megan did all of that much better yeah Megan was solid in terms of the like the the existing tech company and the phony commercials and mm-hmm. the way the toy gets uh, ingrained into the children's lives. I think there's yeah. a lot of similarities and I think Megan did that in a lot, a lot more of a, an interesting and entertaining way personally. Mm-hmm. I th- also think just the notion of the Chucky doll, like there's a line in it where a kid says like, uh, he's like, Oh, something like, I don't want that. That's for little kids. Right. And he's right. Like, that is a toy for little kids. And so for some of these kids to be playing with it, like, yeah, they're, like, messing around with it and getting it to, like, say swear words and, you know, do goofy shit. Mm-hmm. But it still is, like, it seems like a more of a relic than, like, a modern a toy and concept. Even if yeah, you but slap I mean, like, Bluetooth that... on it and, and all that stuff, it still is, like, mm. But isn't that kind of like a thing, too, where it's, like, your parents get you a toy and you're like, yeah, like I would have liked this the last year. And like, what? It's only been a year. And it's like, yeah, but the difference between ages seven and eight are dramatic for a yeah, child. Yeah, this is you know? a pivotal year, right? Or yeah, it's but I like, don't. I haven't been that age in a long time, so I don't relate to it that hard. Oh, well, fair enough. <laughs> like I'm make, nine years old, everybody. I've been an adult for years. Yeah, why don't you make it like a killer Nintendo? How about that? <laughs> Uh, they already made that game. It's called Jumanji. Welcome to the Jungle. Yeah, I like that movie. It's not bad. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. There we go, guys. We're start the start of the season. Trashoween uh, is coming for your souls, yeah. and there's no escape. So get ready. And uh, get spooky. I guess that's it. Yeah. Put on your little skeleton mask. Get out your little witch's hat. Find some candy. Get that mystery flavored Mountain Dew. Because it's time. Is that associated with Halloween? What? Mystery Mountain Dew? Yeah. It's uh, it's called Voodoo. And they what? Th- they make it like a hazy white color. And then it's a mystery flavor. And then you got to guess what the flavor is. What? That's and then so... It's, and then it's it's flavor. Like one year they did a candy corn flavor. One year they did a caramel apple. This sounds like a joke. No, it's marketing, baby. I mean, this is real. Yeah. It sounds like someone making like 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 a, like a skit making fun of Mountain Dew. You need to get out more, pal. Go to a Seven Eleven for Christ's sake. I don't think I need to <laughs> get out more by drinking more soda. You don't even have be... to. You don't have to drink it. You just need to see it. I'm just a soda collector. Like I don't. Uh, I don't drink soda. I. I get, you know. I guess I'm definitely not in the soda world. You know. I don't drink soda. I don't know the history of soda. The the current cultural trends of soda. So yeah, I guess I guess just as Elvira is not for you, the mystery Mountain Dew is not for me. Well, you know what that means. I'm gonna What's get that? you a 
24. Remember when they had a cube of soda? A cube? Remember that? Yes. It was like yes. a square. Like they yeah. stacked the cans on top of each other and put it in a square box. Yes. So you yeah. could have more soda. I think it was the same amount of soda. I think it was just easier to stack. Oh, like fit in your fridge better? I guess. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. All right, guys. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. We'll see you soon. And Keith, what do you always say? My name's Elvira, but you can call me tonight. And until Hey-o. next time, the dumpster is closed. Goodbye, everyone. Everybody go back to doing what you were doing.